Happy Saturday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, Merry Christmas to you and yours, and I couldn't leave you without a podcast this week, so here's one for you, Christmas Day. Before we get started, I wanted to acknowledge uh, the passing of Telly Carson here, who uh, was the proprietor of Jet Performance, built a lot of Volkswagens, son of Tom Carson, part of the Carson family, they've been a part of the VW scene here in Las Vegas for quite a few years, so... Uh, my condolences go to him and his family and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll be able to persevere through this. It's a difficult circumstance and, uh, it's always sad when uh, somebody leaves us in the VW community. So, uh, this, this podcast be dedicated to the Carson family and, uh, to Telly Carson. So on today's episode, you ever wonder who takes care of VW's classic car collection and who does some of those restorations? Well, Bob Ellis does, at least for Volkswagen of America based out of Michigan. Uh, Bob is the proprietor of Der Vintage Works up there in Michigan. And a few years ago, he was tasked with the responsibility to keep VW's vintage and classic fleet up to par and keep them running, do some mild restoration to them. And uh, we get the story of how that happened and a lot of the cars that they've been doing. So it's a good podcast and something to spend your time listening to while you're out in the garage turning wrenches or, most importantly, spending time with your family this Christmas season. Uh, Once again, our condolences go out to the Carson family for the passing of Telly Carson. And uh, God bless him and his family. And let's get into it this week. Bob Ellis on Let's Talk Dubs. Hey everybody, so on today's show, I've got uh, Bob Ellis. Now, Bob Ellis' background is, he's he's got a he's got a restoration shop called Der Vintage Works, and he's out of Manistee, Michigan. Now, over the past few years, he's been restoring a bunch of cars and preserving cars for Volkswagen of America. And so on today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Bob Ellis. Bob, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Bill. Good to be it's, here. It's good to have you. You know, we spoke a little bit on the phone prior to this. You reached out to me and told me about some of your history and I thought it was such a cool story that I definitely wanted to sit down and do a podcast. And so the way we start the podcast every time is how did you get into VWs and what's your VW story? Well, back in probably what, 68, 69, good old dad drove a Beetle and took me to the first Herbie movie. And we, we saw it first run at the theater in Detroit. And, uh, you know, he spun away from it, all feeling all glad and happy after we saw the movie. Just kind of stuck. Yeah. And, you know, my parents were antique dealers growing up. So I had a huge appreciation for any kind of history. Sure. And, and you know, we had a, an old Lincoln Zupper limousine in the backyard growing up in Detroit that I was allowed to play in and do anything I wanted to. You know, nowadays that car is probably worth $100,000. Um, wow. Even vacuum operated power windows you know thinking back in 1938 having that wow uh, you know it was neat to play with that and grew up and grew out of that um got my first beetle it was 
uh, dad's leftover 71 super egg yolk yeller, he called it. <laughs> and, uh, it was given to me when I turned 16, got my driver's license and I turned it down. I said, dad, I really don't want it. There's a 70 SS Camaro next door. The guy wants 700 bucks for it. You know, nowadays that car is worth a ton of money. Oh yeah. And he said, well, okay. You know, you save him money from your paper route. I'll sell the beetle and keep the money. <laughs> and, uh, I never made enough money from the paper route to do anything about the car. The guy ended up trading it for a baby grand piano. Oh, now wow. think of that these days, you know, in today's <laughs> month, wants freaking pianos. Um, but you know, that kind of started it a little bit. And then, uh, friend of mine had a 66 Baja with a Pino engine in it and he had bought it fully restored car. And, you know, back in there, it was probably 79 or 80. And I ended up getting that from him for a pretty reasonable amount of money, probably a few hundred bucks because he couldn't get it to run right. And I got it running, driving. It was pretty fast to pull the front wheels off the ground because of the counterweight of that heavy engine in the back. But I kept thinking, I kept kept breaking trans mounts. So I had strapped a chain around the top of the trans and bolted it to the trans mount frame horn bolts. <laughs> and, uh, and then I started bending frame horns. But, you know, being a Baja and a young kid, I didn't really didn't notice. We beat on that car for years. And, uh, you know, a couple of years later, picked up a 65 Baja for a few hundred bucks and had a whole crashed in passenger side. And I drove that car for years. You know, this is back when I was young and broke, and it's just what we did back then. They were throwaway cars. You could buy right. a Ford, you could buy a Pinot for $200 and drive it for years, you know, but I chose Volkswagens because of what dad had instilled in me. And uh, kind of time went by, and I went to a bunch of questionable other cars, and came time we had gotten married. I got married in 91, 92. Uh-huh. And, had a baby and then all of a sudden down the road there's a 67 sitting in a garage that i picked up for 700. did a full restoration pan off on the car throughout a number of years and did most of it in my gravel driveway because we were young homeowners and didn't have the full things that everybody has so you know a lot of hard work a lot of saving pennies here and there and saying honey can i please you know and yeah. used to have with four diapers and still, you know, still build a car of your dreams. So I ended up getting that done and it worked out to be a great car. Drove that for almost 10 years. And a 71 bus came up, a Westie, and it came up in northern Wisconsin. Uh, this guy and I talked into, we did a, a flat out trade for the Westie for the 67 Beetle and we met in Chicago. Oh, wow. And That's a good deal. Yeah, it was, you know, we'll drive, drive halfway, you drive halfway. And drove the Westie for many years. You know, engine replacement, fixed all the little things that were wrong with it. And it was, a, you know, your normal patina bus, but not a lick of rust. And for Michigan, that's pretty rare. And it turned out to be a great bus. And, uh, and that kind of got me hooked on buses after that. Now, right around that time... I was at a car show at Volkswagen of America, and once a year, they would let us have our car show in their parking lot, the Michigan mm -hmm. Vintage Volkswagen Club, 
and they would open up their collection they called it on the first floor of their corporate floor of the corporate building and we get to see their collection of cars and at that time they probably had 20 cars and they were all they had all been worked on and restored and collected by a gentleman called uh, i think his name was his last name was Reckhorn. Uh-huh. And, and he had uh, collected most of these cars out of germany and then pulled them into Canada. He was part of the Volkswagen Canada group. And with Canada and U.S. being so close together, they almost worked together. All these cars ended up in the facility in the U.S. So I'm sitting talking to, I was at that time, I was uh, event coordinator for the club. And I'm talking to the president and vice president. We're just BSing in the parking lot. And one of the executives walks up and says, hey, we've got all these cars and we'd like to be able to use a few of them. And none of them have been driven. Some of them haven't been driven in 20 years. And But he says, I don't want to shop. I want someone who will give me personal attention and do this low key where they don't brag and they don't say what they do. And just kind of keep it on the down low because we're kind of, they were a little embarrassed at the way they had kept these cars for all these years. Yeah. Fuel on the it's batteries under the seats, you know, questionable brake fluid, you know, tarry, nasty stuff. And president, vice president looked at me and says, Bob, you want to do it? And I'm like, holy moly, you know. Yeah. That, that, I was a heating and cooling guy supporting my family, installing furnaces and air conditioners. and but had built a few cars. They, these guys knew I had a few cars under my belt. Let's let Bob do it. He knows what he's doing. And uh, 20 years later, here I sit, and now finally retired from them. And uh, figured it's time to to let the story out a little more. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, that's pretty incredible that they would reach out to you to do that. And then do you end up doing that? Uh, the next week, I ended up with a 52 Cabriolet in my garage. I, at that time, yeah. I had a two-and-a-half-car garage and uh, always had a space for a car. So we threw it in there, and I did a uh, front-end swap and had some broken leaf springs in the front, the torsion springs, and changed all that out, did the link pins on it, and sent it on its way. And, you know, the car that I worked on at that time, it was a 52 crotch cooler Cabriolet. It's cream and brown. And... Yeah. Uh, it was at the L.A. when they did the breakfast for the clubs of the L.A. Auto Show a few years back. Uh-huh. Uh, that car has a full leather interior. It smells beautiful. But, you know, nice. you get something of that caliber in your garage as a hobbyist, and you're, you're afraid to touch it. Sure. So that time I didn't even start it. We pushed it in and pushed it back out, you know, because all they wanted it to do was sit level on their collection floor because it had a cock to it. You know, one side was a little lower than the other side. And the guy that ran the collection, he was uh, uh, Clark Campbell. He did all the auto shows. So he had an eye for where to set cars and how to set them up correctly. <laughs> and he could see the three quarters of an inch difference from one side to the other. Sitting on his flo- on his collection floor with the wheels cocked, he could still tell that difference. Now, me today, yeah. you don't look at those things so much. but you know, sure. unless you notice something broken. Yeah, but that's the first uh, first time with that, and then things just got crazy after that. 
And I, I, I cut out for a second. So did you stop the heating and cooling and just did this full time for them? Or did you do this as kind of an extra project for something to do after hours and weekends? I did it on nights and weekends and still kept my, kept my full time job. Oh, and, wow. you know, back then, a young guy had lots of energy. You know, I was in my <laughs> late 20s, early 30s and uh, just worked to to get somewhere, you know. Yeah. If I can afford my hobby, which was Volkswagens, I had to work over hours, so it didn't affect the home budget, you know. Nice. And uh, luckily, my wife carried a good job, and we made things work, and I was able to get a few of my dream cars. And what's it like the first time you see their collection? What are the cars that are in that lineup when you first come on board to help them out? Well, you walk, you, at that time, you'd walk in the room and sitting on a pedestal, and it was a revolving pedestal that they used at one of the auto shows. There was a 43, oh, excuse me, 43 KDF mobile, you know, all in black, satin black, $80,000 restoration done in Germany, just gorgeous car and hit you like a ton of bricks. And, you know, they had things that they had, like when the new Beetle came out, they had one at the auto show that they had everyone sign at the Detroit auto show. So it's a black car full of silver signatures. Oh, really? And, you know, yeah. I don't know whatever happened to that car. It could be in Wolfsburg for all I know. They do trade a lot of cars back and forth. Um, and then, you know, in line, there was a line of split window Beetles. There's a 46. There's a 49. Uh, there was a 51 Deluxe that went back to Germany to the original owner. Again, again, Mr. Reckhorn's family, who originally collected most of these cars. Uh, there was a, a 74th thing that was used in Speed 2 and driven by Sandra Bullock in the first scene of the movie. Oh, really? Uh, you know, 64 Gia convertible. And all these cars are... You could lick off the bottom of them, and they dusted them weekly, and they were really well taken care of. Tires are blown up regularly and kept in good shape. But, you know, you open up the gas tank, and it just smells nasty. Smells and to like a, death. To a mechanic, that's the first thing you look at. Yeah. And, you know? And now the first, so the first car you work on is the 52 cab. After the cab, what's, what's some of the other stuff that you work on? And they have a head mule in the collection? The head mealer was stored in that room. It belongs to Volkswagen Canada. And like I say, they share cars back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, but after that, we got in the wedding car, which was the wrought iron caged beetle. Right. That, what's, the, what's the story on that car? I think two of them sat out in front of the late 60s, the Olympics that was in uh, Atlanta, if I remember right. Uh-huh. And they uh, they sat outside the gates of the Olympics where people would come in. And Volkswagen had uh, hired a guy in Mexico to build these two cars. And then su subsequently, he built 22 or so more of them. So they're all over the world. A lot of people that I know still own one. You know, Lorenzo owns one at West Coast Metric. Uh, Scott Dempster owned one for a while. Airhead Parts and Carmagia Parts and Restoration. I think that one ended up going to a Randy Carlson at one time or another. Right. Um, there, But there's like 20 or so survivors out there. Some are sitting outside restaurants in Mexico with gardens around them. You know, they're, they're all, they poke up everywhere. And then there was a, one built in Canada recently, past 10 years or so, that was a uh, recreation. 
but it was all yellow and slammed and big motor and done really well. Had a full windshield. Now, and another thing about those cars is everyone was different. The patterns on the wrought iron filigree, every car was slightly different in one way or another. Some of them had a peacock on the doors. Some of them had a full windshield. Some had roll-up windows. Huh. And I went, and were these, so these are actually titled vehicles, like they're all titleable vehicles that they're, they're sold with? Absolutely. Yeah, they were uh, built on stock Beetle pans. My guess is they bought crashed out or brand new Beetles. The one that I worked in on had 300 original miles on the clock. Oh, wow. So brand new car, torn apart, body off, build a metal body for it and back on. And everything else was bone stock underneath. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So so that's the wrought iron beetle. I remember just recently someone drove one across the country, a, 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 a like a, a father-daughter drove one across the country. But, I mean, that's got to be – I think there's a level of collectability to those things. Um, yeah. Just the fact that they're so rarely – you know, there's only a few of them. I think the one that was drove across, across country is the yellow one out of Canada, yeah. the recreation. Um, you know, I've driven them. They're rattly, rattly, rattly. You know, I can you imagine. Fall apart. Because, you know, the doors don't fit well. And the locks, you know, assemblies aren't. They're just a latch like you'd see on a, on a rod iron gate. So yeah. nothing I'd call safe or comfortable, that's for sure. But, you know, the, especially the one I worked on, it had no windshield. So either you wear goggles or you stay under 20 miles an hour. It's like a guy with safari getting bugs in his teeth, you know. <laughs> right. The way it is. <clears throat> yeah, you don't smile when you're riding with safaris. And as far as other cars, were there any uh, other custom stuff that they had in the collection that they that they had part of the UW collection, or was it mostly stock stuff? Mostly bone stock, you know, as a museum should be. Um, you know, I always tried to talk them into buying a drag car. Let me build a drag car for you. We'll do it nostalgia. We'll recreate the inch pincher or something. Yeah, you know, something really neat and a little bit more on my enthusiast alley and yeah, they never let me do that but that's okay but in subsequent years they bought a formula v they bought a um a myers manx off bruce myers before he passed um you know they they're doing trying to get into the whole history of their of their company and you know bottom line with these guys is they're there to sell cars sure but you know if they can use their collection to number one, make people happy. You know, I call it smiles per mile and, you know, to, to sell a few cars and throw them out at the auto show or let, let the press drive them at press events or ride and drives, you know, more power to them and us. And it just helps our hobby all along. You know, there was a lot of scuttlebutt back in the late nineties about these copyright wars and, you know, them sending lawyers cease and desist letters. Sure. And, you know, there was some bad blood. And I don't think that bad blood exists anymore, you know, because they've done the right thing over the years. And, you know, no, they're not reproducing parts. But, yes, they are supporting the hobby, supporting shows, sponsoring shows, showing up and handing out T-shirts and Frisbees and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's the big friendly thing, you know. But we all wish we could buy crate motors again. But you can't. Yeah, you know? It's it's interesting because it seemed it seemed to be at some point that Volkswagen almost 
I don't want to say it didn't want anything to do with the classic cars, but it seemed like they were kind of shying away from that. And then once the resurgence of the new Beetle came out, I think it was in 99, you know, um, they started to maybe pay a little more attention to their to their heritage because I, you know, my personal take on it is if they would have really, like the, the last generation of the new Beetle was by far something that was a little bit appealed more, I think, to the demographic people that drive the air cool Beetles because they want something that's a little bit performance oriented and something that's got kind of a, you know, as, as, as unappealing as maybe the Beetle was back in the sixties, because of what happened in the seventies and eighties, it's taken over a different persona. You know, it seems to be more of a kind of a, uh, you know, to, to us guys that see the cow look cars and the lowered street cars and stuff, they, they're a little more, a little more aggressive looking. Now, in Michigan, where you're at, what, what's the VW scene like there? You know, we've got three or four small clubs. One of mm-hmm. The largest one is Michigan Vintage Volkswagen Club. And we used to hold a festival every year, still do. And it was, you know, for a long time, it was a mecca. We'd have, you know, the DKF come out from New Hampshire with Bill Collins and his head Mueller and all the yeah. seven cars. And which I, in turn, became a member of and got to enjoy that club quite a bit. Hell of a drive out to New Hampshire and back, but, you know, we did it a few times. Um, We have uh, the Martin Drag Ship Strip, which is a US-131 bug run. And it's a, you know, car show, drag strip, swap meet. Uh, That happens twice a year. Um, Some little small get-togethers. There's a a junkyard north of Frankenmuth, which is a, a... german old german recreated village and this uh this gentleman named herman owns an air-cooled junkyard just full of old our stuff you know that we just dearly love and he holds a nice show every year um where i'm at in manistee we have a small club we usually get 50 or so cars we'd love to get 100 uh we meet every year have a great time it's at the local catholic high school and uh pretty tight knit, knit club but it's it's full of a lot of older people and they really don't like to get out and drive so much but they do support the club and they when they do drive we just love to see them i run the fall foliage tour we go out and see the leaves up and down the shores of lake michigan every year a friend of mine and, and myself run that and uh just have a blast you know in some years we only get 10 cars but that's okay yeah and where you're at, is it a little more rural out there where you are? Yeah, I live, you know, on the shores of Lake Michigan. It's kind of a, a vacation town. Um, it's pretty dead in the winter. Like right now, I don't hear traffic at all. Oh, and I, really? I live right on the main highway coming out of town. Um, but the summer, this place pops. You know, we get the Chicagoites coming up for, for their vacations and renting Airbnbs and we're a huge salmon fishing area, so you get the, the salmon runs twice a year. You know, things get pretty crazy around here in the spring and fall and throughout the summer. And now, being in a, being in Michigan, which is like U.S. car capital of the world, what's it like to go to VW shows? That, or not VW shows, but just car shows in general there in Michigan? You know, lately we get some respect. It, it is a friendly-looking car. Uh-huh. All the other, you know, Ford owners' wives just dearly love them. They love to come talk to us. And so we'll talk to their wives. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they can go off and, you know, talk about their Stroker V8s, and I'll talk about their wives. But, 
<laughs> no, it's 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 different. Um, like I say, you get more of the girls and the and the young, you know, the younger generation comes up and talks to you. Um, I was at a car show back in the '90s when things were very different, and it was in uh, Waterford, a suburb of Detroit. And everybody in Waterford pretty much worked for Pontiac Motors or their parents or grandparents worked for Pontiac Motors because they were in Pontiac, which is right next to Waterford. Right. And I pull into this car show with my first 67 Beetle that I restored in a gravel driveway. I'm prouder than shit of this car. Drop spindles, Porsche wheels, Porsche 911 seats. You know, it was the way cars were done. All Cal looked out. And I pull into this car show and they tell me to park in spectator parking. Oh, man. I'm like, what? I, you know, I got, I was all proud. I had six grand into this car, you know. <laughs> and uh, so following years, I go in and I, I boycotted that show for many years. And I went and parked in spectator parking, kind of murmured to myself and then left and went home. So later on, I went back to that show and I drive by and there's like six Beatles in a bus. I'm like, okay, they're letting them in now. So let's try it again. And things have been going uphill from there. But, you know, that was back at the time where if you worked at GM or Ford and you drove a Volkswagen or a Honda or something into their parking lot, it would be keyed when you got out of work. Um, you know, the UAW is pretty strong in their beliefs back then, and they were really strong. Really? I'm called for. It's just not a very friendly thing to do. Sure. But, you know, they... Uh, they were that way at one time. Yeah. Wow. That's, that is nuts. And now, so the Michigan, so being there in Michigan, what's, what's the car hunting scene like over there? You know, there's lots of, I mean, Michigan's like, there's lots of barns and farmland. So like that, as much as I, I don't, I'm not sure that there is, but I'm pretty sure there's quite a bit of, you know, uh, range out there and, and a lot of farmhouse and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you still finding stuff out there in Michigan? Uh, since I've retired and moved north, I used to live in the Detroit area, and now I moved, you know, the northern half of the state. Things have just, I tend to find things. And yeah. my, my name gets out because I'm working on customers' cars here, you know, a little, little help your customer and local guy kind of thing. And I've harvested probably 30 cars this year, along with a partner of mine, Joel, that I work with. And we'll, uh, you know, we buy we buy two and fund the next ten with the next two. You know, sure. And we find homes for them. We make a few run and drive and find good running homes for them. But mostly, you know, these are people that either need a project car or need a parts car because we have rust here in Michigan, and you're going to have to do pans and channels. Oh yeah, maybe maybe a front apron. But if you're doing a bus, I don't care. I did a whole level lower twelve inches of my '66 13 window. And it's worth it to me because yeah. you don't, you don't find splitties around here so much. And where'd you, know, you find, where'd you find that bus? 10 miles away from me in a small town in an old, uh, it's called East Lake. And it was a, a repair facility. Old retired guy had his backyard was full of beetles and buses. And there's still a backyard full of crap there. There's a 54 uh, oval I'm going to grab here next year out of there. Pretty rusty. Oh, is everything everything sitting on the ground? A fairly rusty lower lower half. Oh yeah, it's a drag car. It's an old drag car. Someone had cut the dash out of it, cut a hole in the deck lid for a turbo. There's a tack, you know, fiberglass tack mount on the front four tab hood. 
just yeah. enough to be off, you know, but still worth seeing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, maybe I'll make that inch pincher I always wanted to build. There you go. Yeah. Now, there's yeah. a lot up here we're, we're finding things every year you know at least five six cars a year i'll find homes for and pull out of barns yeah and we you know we talked earlier kind of getting back to a little bit of the collection that bw had you and i spoke earlier and during i think the later maybe five ten years ago vw started that max the beetle campaign what was your involvement in that uh i was contacted by the uh the advertisement company that ran that project and it was all ran by a bunch of designers that wanted a certain car and they wanted to they had their spiel that they were going to do for for their commercial campaign and uh my name showed up and they wanted me to spearhead building these these vehicles and it turns out they wanted five black 64s with 63 uh deck lid or uh, license lights on them oh really they wanted them a certain way. They wanted black or red interior with ivory piping and a black car and a roof rack and a spare tire toolkit and everything they could do to make it look vintage. Well, at that time, Empey was making their spare tire kits. So we bought five of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, five Empey roof racks and build them all up. But these were cars that started as, you know, decent $10,000 cars. We didn't go cheap when we bought them. And so I, I created a team. Uh, a friend of mine, John Bickle of State of Mind Customs, happened to have a five-bay garage, and he operates a shop now out of Pontiac, and he steals specifically in Volkswagens and high-dollar muscle cars, and he's been do doing some Europeans lately, too. But he had the facility, I had the gig, and we hired a couple more guys to work pretty much 17, 18 hours a day. And we flipped out five cars, averaging at 16 days per car. Wow. These are full penny jobs. None of them needed pans, but full mechanical restorations and paint jobs and trim and interior and all the things that made them beautiful. And they ended up using these things in this Max commercials with, you know, Hasselhoff and Heidi Klum and people like that. And they were actually like interviewing the car. Uh, turned out kind of neat in the end, but it's something you know proud to be uh, to be part of. And I got my signatures on most of those cars underneath. No one will ever oh, find. Really? Oh yeah, I sign most everything I work on, but no one will ever nice. find. Um, yeah, it's just part of what I do. But no, now, did you did you track the VIN numbers on those cars? You keep track of the VIN numbers in those cars, or they have a file of Volkswagen. I don't track. You know, I have all my old records with VINs, but you know, I'll leave it up to them because they own the vehicles. Yeah, so do they still own all the vehicles or do they sell any of them? They still own all five of them. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, one's sitting up on one of the floors of their Herndon, Virginia um, headquarters. Actually, I had to remove glass and had it put up there with a crane. And it'll never leave. And I, they pulled all the fuel and the batteries and all the liquids out of the engine. And <laughs> sitting up there, and it'll never leave until that building goes away. Wow. You know, one of them, they lost for a few months and found it again in pieces. And someone's putting that back together. They've got their tech center. When they when they don't have anything to do, the tech center kind of puts that car back together with love. Now, uh, how do you lose a car? <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. But they found it in pieces in a closet and uh, all in disarray. The car had been totally disassembled. I think there was a hole in one of the pans. So they decided to, do, to take it all apart and do a frame off on it. Because we didn't see the need to do it to make these drivers and get them out in 16 days. It just didn't make sense to do full pan off restos. Sure. Yeah. And they're all they're all 64 Beetles with 63 decklets. That's an interesting thing that that who even knows what it is. You know, like because you look at it, you'd automatically think it's a 63 because of the decklet. Look just like a 63. Yeah. Right. They want them to be 64s, and I don't know why. You know, I just you roll with it. When you're talking to a designer, you don't argue with those people. You say right. yes. What you'd like, sure. You pay for it, we do it. Yeah. <clears throat> but you know, all in all, over the years, Volkswagen's just been wonderful. They've given me a lot of opportunities. I've traveled the world, traveled the whole states, been to Cali many times. Now you were also able to. The Volkswagen sent you to Germany, right? Yeah, in '07, I think it was. Um, I got a call. And, they wanted to do an article for Driver Magazine, which is the magazine they give to all their owners the first year of ownership. Mm -hmm. And they uh, they asked me to go to Germany, get a passport, never been to Europe before. Sounded cool. Sure, I'd love to go. And uh, two weeks at Wolfsburg, stayed in the Ritz-Carlton on Wolfsburg property. Nice. You know, beers at night and good food and had a great time. Got to tour all of Wolfsburg. I was being used as like the model tourist that would go to Wolfsburg for vacation from America. Oh, really? <laughs> so, you know, cut my hair, bought new clothes, trying to look like a model as much as an ugly mug like me can look like, <laughs> you know, and had a great time. And they took a few pictures and, you know, free trip to Germany. I was all for it. And did a little bit of training over there. They had, uh, uh, what would they call safety training where they put you on a skid pad and teach you how to, how to like dash if an elk walked out in front of you. Cause I guess they have a lot of elk in Germany. Oh really? Oh yeah. They just walk out in front of you like deer do here and they don't move and they don't budge cause they're huge. But, uh, you, so you'd be driving along at 60 miles an hour and all of a sudden a wall of water would come up and you'd have to dodge this wall of water. Really? Yeah. And there's a guy standing there that would control with remote control when the wall of water came up from the cement. And, you know, we did that and played with that for a little while. They had an off-road course that we were able to take the Touareg on and show the, it was there to test Touaregs pretty much. Like a quarter mile course with whip to doos and tilty bridges and, you know, all the crazy stuff that you can articulate a suspension like that. Because, you know, the Touareg was a pretty pretty capable vehicle compared to let's say the atlas now the atlas yeah i had an opportunity and i i would have, I, I would think it would be probably back in 2009 or 2010 not quite sure i don't even remember what year it was but the and there was a guy christian grunman was in town with my friend uh, chris cox who's passed away and christian grunman's got a huge vw collection back in germany and he was with one of the guys from Volkswagen, heavy set guy out of Germany, and they were driving a Touareg, but it wasn't a regular Touareg. It was a Touareg, a Touareg like a S50 or something like that is what it was called, and it was a it was a, a not for U.S. version. And uh, the guy's like, "Yeah, go take it for a spin," and you know he was telling me all these crazy things it'll do, you know, like real suspension articulation, all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, 
He says, look in the glove box. Look at the registration. So I look at the registration, and it was on loan to Kevin Costner. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. They were just coming back to pick it up because it wasn't a it wasn't a U.S. spec vehicle. It was a it was a um, you know like a demo vehicle for him. Okay. So nice. I thought I thought it was. I never realized what uh, what the Touareg was so capable of uh, until I was able to drive that one. <clears throat> so I was pretty impressed. I mean, those it, it was a pretty sporty Touareg R50. I think it was. Yeah, R50. Okay. Yeah, their R line has always been renowned. Uh, now we were able on 05, I went on a cross country cruise. This was before the Germany trick mm -hmm. and, uh, was sponsored by airhead parts, you know, Disney, uh, Cirrus radio, uh, one of the main tire manufacturers. And we, we cruised and started in Santa Monica and cruised to Mass Manassas, Virginia by route 66. And every day we would stop at a dealership and have a mini car show at these dealerships and all the locals would come out and you know some towns we got five some towns we got 500 show up really pretty much take over downtown area and uh but we drove two Touaregs towing 20-foot trailers across country one held a herbie from the movie from the fully loaded movie and the other one i drove and it held t-shirts and i was the breakdown mechanic we had t-shirts and my tools and all the breakdown stuff and that car never held or that trailer never held a car the whole trip across country and back really? and we never needed to load a car onto that trailer and that's that says something about number one the cruisers and how well they maintain their their vehicles and yeah were roadside, roadside breakdowns and then i was there to help you know with tools and parts and it was a uh, it was a really nice trip, but just amazing what that tour would do day in and day out hauling that big trailer that, hell, I might have a problem with my, my Chevy Silverado hauling that, you know? Now, so, were you were you hauling the diesel? No, it was uh, it was the eight-cylinder. Oh, really? Yeah, it was an eight-cylinder tour hauling a big old trailer. Yeah, it's you funny. Know? You sent me a bunch of pictures, which I'll have panning across as we're discussing it, but I'm looking at a picture of you. Uh, mess with somebody's pulley and Jim Kikuchi's next to you, who's got who's bonsai KG on the Samba. <laughs> really good person. But yeah. it, it's it's funny how this hobby, you know, is is it connects all of us people all across the country to, uh, you know, kind of sharing a lot of that uh, a lot of that hobby with one another. You know, it's like you see a guy with a Volkswagen broke down the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. At least you know if you pull over to help that guy, you know what you're getting into, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, even if, uh, even if they don't know anything about their car, glad yeah. to help. That's, that's <laughs> what the community is about, you know? Yeah. Now, what, when you had access to VW's collection like that, was there any really unique stuff or prototype stuff that you were able to see that, uh, that the average person isn't able to see? You know, no, not so much. Um, the secrets are always secrets. And, you know, I've never been known for having a big mouth and blabbing out secrets, but, you know, there, right. there, there were cars that I was not allowed to talk about. And a lot of times, you know, they pretty much told me to keep my position there low key and I didn't blab a whole lot about it. Right. You know, you, you, you don't, they don't want the public to know that, oh my gosh, they neglected their cars for 15 years and let rotting gas sit in them, you know, but yeah. I was glad to help them out because this is, this all helps all of us. 
And, you know, heck, to be able to see a 49 head mailer is just a treat, especially for a guy here in Michigan. Sure. You know, just don't see that stuff. No question. Now, what's the what, what's the deal with this beetle? Looks like it's either a clay beetle or a chocolate beetle you sent me pictures of. So when I first started the gig with Volkswagen, they had this huge clay model new beetle that they created to make the real body bucks out of the real, out of the original car. Yeah. And it was uh, created in Simi Valley, California, and they had it shipped all the way to Michigan because they didn't know what to do with it. You know, after a clay prototype car is done, they usually get put in a dumpster. Well, Volkswagen decided to save it and they put it in their collection room for a couple of years. This thing probably weighed 20,000 pounds. Clay is really heavy. Yeah. And after a few years, uh, the romance wore off and they said, okay, what are we going to do with this? We don't want to put it in a dumpster. So we had our, our local Michigan Vintage Volkswagen show. And they pulled it in. They had a transport company drop it off. And I sat there with a sawzall all day, cutting chunks out of clay uh, for people for charity. So they would donate $20 and I'd cut a chunk off for you. Oh, wow. So you know, everybody wanted the emblem. Some people wanted the door handles. You know, hey, I want that part of the running board. And I'd sit out there with a dull sawzall and chop it all up. Blast of a day, but it was hot. Had a good time, though. Met a lot of people. And, you know, put good use for a good charity that instead of seeing it go in a dumpster no that's uh you, you know you always wonder what happens to those cars right and you see those cars get manufactured and then you know you don't know what's what's going on and speaking about crazy contraptions and custom-built cars you also sent me a few pictures of some some specific to michigan custom cars <laughs> about two years ago we ended up uh meeting a family uh, well, my friend Joel actually knew the family and dealt with their shop back in the 80s when he had was back in the 80s. He tied me in with these people, and they have a collection of cars that their grandfather built back in the late 70s. And they were all one-off customs built out of uh, conduit, electrical conduit, brazed together with metal stretched over them. And... Just crazy creations kind of reminded me of you know, wacky racer cartoons back in the day. Right. And uh, some of them look like doom buggies, you know, traditional buggies. Other ones just crazy customs. Now, what was, the name, of the build? What was the name of the builder? His last name was Fortin, F-O-R-T-O-N. I do have a couple newspaper articles of where he was interviewed by a few newspapers and got a lot of the original pictures that were taken back when they were built along with the family. And we took a specific yellow one that looks pretty crazy. We took that one to the Autorama two years ago in Detroit. Yeah. Sat in the with all the rat rods and stuff and really got good fanfare for it. Everybody loved it. Got a lot of pictures. People wanted their picture taken sitting in it. And, uh, you know, since then, we've been trying to celebrate this gentleman's life because after digging into these cars, he did things that you normally didn't don't see these days you know the craftsmanship he built his own seats out of fiberglass and you know made his own molds for a set of seats um and now the the, the now the bodies were they were all you were saying that they're a sheet metal wrapped around electrical conduit that's welded together yeah brazed together <laughs> and, so it's all brazed brazed uh, stainless like a like a galvanized electrical tubing 
galvanized electrical conduit that I would, you know, use in heating cooling on a furnace. Um, sure. And, you know, he was, he was a little craftsman. And, you know, we all know how brittle brazing can be. You know, you start getting some crazy vibrations going down the road. Brazing will crack. And, and years later, you know, we took a couple of those welds that we didn't trust because we wanted to drive these cars a little bit. Yeah. We migged them up, you know, make sure they last a little longer. Because there was a couple of stress points I didn't like. Now, this guy built these cars just for himself or he built them for people? He was going to start a little car company because he wanted to be part of the dune buggy craze that was going out on the West Coast and out in Florida like that. And he thought he was going to be part of it. He built like seven or eight cars and then stopped. I think his health got the best of him, kind of ran out of time in his life. And the cars were stored for many, many years within the family. You know, the family still owns three cars that I can't get my hands on. And they look like open top slot car racers from the 50s and early. They're really neat cars. Uh, We do own one of the bodies, but have to build the car up from scratch. I don't really want to do that at this time. We'll probably end up being a yard ornament. and My wife will put flowers in it on the yard. So which car do you, of the pictures you sent me, there's uh, there's a red one called the Drifter, and then there's a silver one. looks like it kind of has roof panels on it. Right, right. Which which one did you, you said you have one of these cars? I have a different car that you haven't seen a picture of yet, and it, it, looks, <laughs> like, it looks like a car you'd see at uh, an early 60s, um, you know, Le Mans. Um, really low, really big tires, all sunken mm-hmm. in the body, and a, a one-man cockpit with a roll bar behind it. They're they're really neat. I'll see if uh, before you load these pictures up, I'll see if I can send you off a picture of one of those. They're amazing. Yeah, these, things, these things are funky looking. I mean, the silver one's got a, a full-blown '70s paint job. That's without question. Oh yeah, and I found that one a really good home. We don't own that one anymore, but this guy is dearly in love with it. And, uh, it's, it's the only lowered car in the whole collection too. You know, he kept most of these stock heights, but this one here was the only one that was fully dumped and, uh, he can't even fit 15 inch wheels on it. They have to be 13s or 14s because they and won't. He was, and he was building these cars in the, in the late sixties, early seventies. Yes. Yeah. Now, about, I think four of them are made of fiberglass. He built molds for four of them, but most of them were metal stretched over conduit. All hand built. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty space age looking, you know. Yeah, you know something like you'd see in a, oh, what's that? Dang road or a Blade Runner. Mad Max. Yeah. (laughs) Thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're for sure. They're uh, definitely a unique vehicle. That's without question. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. uh, These are pretty cool looking. And so the the guy's name was Fortin. Was his name? Yeah, I think it was Jim Fortin. Yeah. Jim Fortin. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting when you can find a piece of history like this, like somebody that actually had a plan to build some stuff and then built, you know, a couple of prototype vehicles and then they never come to fruition, obviously, because things change for whatever reason in this guy's life. But uh, I think it's neat to find something like that and then to find something like that that's Michigan specific history, you know. And, you know, back in those days, you know, people would pick up a popular mechanics and it would show you how to build a car, you know. Yeah. And I think that's where he probably got half of his ideas. You know, just an old yeah. school guy in old school ways. 
Man, that's uh, that's pretty cool, man. So and so now you're uh, the last car that you were doing restoration were the last cars that you kind of did um, were which cars for Volkswagen? Well, we prepped, we prepped a number of cars for a ride and drive in Malibu uh, right before uh, about a year before COVID. And, you know, we did, uh, gosh, we did the uh, 67 21 window bus, which is their pretty much normal driver. They drive the heck out of that bus. Uh, that was used for the the Max campaign. Also, it was called his name was Bus instead of Max. Yeah. And and uh, we had the forty nine split window Beetle out there, which is a really good driver. Uh, the blue so, one. Yeah. Right. It's crash box trans. You have to teach people how to drive it before you put. You know, imagine a nineteen year old fresh out of college press girl and having to teach her how to drive a forty nine crash box trans. <laughs> yeah. It's like, honey, put it in all the way in and, and do a, come to a stop before you put it in first. And, you know, little had to show them how to work the, the shifter to, to double clutch. And, you know, after about a mile, they got it. And if they stalled it, it always restarted. It was a, it's a good car. Yeah. And they're, uh, the stock ones are sewing machine reliable. That's for sure. They are. They always run, you know um now they had that they had they have a square back an orange 74 square back which is solid beautiful runner uh we've taken that on a few trips they had a number of water cools that they own um old passats and jettas and things like that um you probably i think there were seven or eight cars in that trip and then the following year i did a chattanooga show for them they called it the mm -hmm. chat auto fest which is a concourse type show with all the high dollar, you know, Wayne Carini type cars. Right. I got to meet him out there. Pretty cool guy. Um, we did that and we, we drove on a cruise throughout uh, Tennessee around the Chattanooga area with press. And so I had to, you know, get a lot of those cars running and make sure they're in tip top shape. Cause you never know who's going to drive them. Right. And, you know, all in all these cars were respected and well-driven because it's hard these days to find somebody that can even drive a stick. Now, are so, these car, are, are these cars still in Michigan? There's a few cars still in Michigan in the press fleet, probably two or three, maybe. Uh, the rest of them have gone to a warehouse in California, from what I've heard. And it was probably it was optimum time for me to retire because I couldn't see them delivering them 2,500 miles each way to me. Yeah. And, you know, I, going from Virginia to me wasn't such a big deal. It's seven or eight hundred miles, but cross country, you know, they can find someone in the Mecca of California to give them the personal attention that I always gave them. You know, now, now did VW America have a, have a, a fully loaded Herbie? Did they have one of those or no? They, as far as I know, they'd never owned a Herbie. Um, Disney kept most of those cars, and I think some of them got sold off through the production company. But no, Volkswagen's never owned a Herbie that I know of. That's wild. Yeah, Disney's pretty tight with their stuff, from what I hear. You know, I, I traveled know. with Disney on that cross-country trip, and uh, you know, they're a special kind of people. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything bad about them, but <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, they're artistic, and you know, they're. Heavy to the corporation, very loyal. Yeah. yeah. No question. No question. So what's uh, so now that you've retired, you've done that. What's your plan now? 
Uh, we we help locals out around here. We've got our small club of a couple hundred people, and I probably have you know ten locals that I help out that aren't they consider themselves not handy enough to work on their own stuff. Sure. And then, you know, I'd be glad to sit on a lawn chair and point and tell them what to do. And I'll do that for free. But yeah. if I have to pick up a wrench, you know, make me lunch, you know, or something like that. Buy me a case of beer, whatever it makes you happy. And, you know, I'm working on um, building my own dream bus. You know, I bought a 66 13 window deluxe here out of Michigan. Spent two years, threw 40 grand at it. And I figured another five grand and I'll have a bus that I can drive anywhere. What color did you paint your 13 window deluxe? It was originally a sea blue and white. And I'm not a blue guy. Right. I just really don't like blue vehicles. And so I did the Lotus White. Uh, Lotus White is the rarest of the all the color combinations in 66 that you can find on a bus. Solid and white. it's simple. It's classy. It looks good with a deluxe trim. And I thought, you know, let's do this. Because, you know, color for me is the hardest thing to, to make a decision on. You know, yeah. if you build the bus of your dreams, what color would you paint it? Holy moly, you know? Sure. Well, I did. I painted mine red and black. <laughs> yeah, and it's badass. I do love your bus. Yes. Well, yeah. I, tell you, I tell you a crazy story is my bus, because I know you listen to the podcast on YouTube, and there's, there's, not, there's nowhere near as many on YouTube as there is on the podcast, on the podcast apps. And I don't know if you've heard this story, but, you know, I bought my bus for $100 in Goldfield, Nevada. It was 98% complete and zero rust, right? When you pull the carpet out, it still has the original uh, white paint on the floor inside the cargo bay area. And speaking of Lotus White on White, after I went on this trip to Reno in 92 and started spotting all these Volkswagens in the desert from here to there, my friend wanted a bus. And so I pulled out like George Costanza with his piano lessons. I pull out a phone number out of my wallet and I give it to my buddy. And he drives New Year's Eve, and I want to say it was 1997. He drove from New Year's Eve. My, well, my buddy Scott Moses, who just had his he just crew cab in Hot BWs a couple of months ago, the one from Vegas, the green one. He drove with my brother George uh, New Year's Eve. They drove all the way up to Shurs, Nevada, to pick up a Lotus White, Lotus White on White, uh, 13 window deluxe from a farmer. That, for, that they picked up for four hundred dollars, yeah, yeah. And, still, and and drug it and drug it back here. <laughs> yeah, they are still out there. You know, we they find are. we find free vehicles up here too. You know, but they have been stored well. You know, they may yeah. smell bullshit, but they they're rust free. You know. Now, um, I picked that bus because I, I'd always wanted. You know, I thought, okay, I can deal with a combi or I can deal with a Westie, but boy, I'll never find a deluxe up here. And ran across yeah. this guy's backyard, and I'm like, hell, I just started throwing $100 bills at him until he stopped and said, yeah, okay. And uh, 10 grand later, I bought the bus. But So you know, 10 grand for, a, for, is it original Michigan bus? Yeah, Michigan. And uh, had a, you know, shag carpet, Westy interior that someone handmade that I had uh, tearing it all out. And okay. wheel wells? Wheel. No, nah, wheel wells, it was all uh, it was unhacked, oh. but it had, it had your normal terminal lower rust. And somewhere yeah. back in the 80s, someone had riveted uh, galvanized sheet metal all over the bus and then bonded over the riveted panels. <laughs> at so you know, here I am drilling out 500 rivets just to see what kind of bus I bought. 
And yeah, I, 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 I had a. It's ugly. Yeah, I had a '59 double cab that I picked up. It used to be owned. There's a construction company called Bechtel, and they do like a, a but it's B E C H T E on. It had a Bechtel sticker right on the front nose, and they must have used it for. A, they they do like highways and airports and stuff like that. And it was in my, the back of my buddy's um, uh, VW place, and this was probably 1996. 95 before single cabs are even cool and i get this single cab and the guy uh i don't know if he had any tools but for sure he had a welder because he literally welded every nut and bolt on this bus he welded everything so every every uh all the screws that hold the side gates on were welded in all that like everything was oh. welded on this bus yeah it was, uh, you find some neat, unique stuff in the desert because these guys are desert rats, so they'll make these things uh, full blown apocalyptic vehicles. But no, I'm excited to see you get your bus on the road, man. They're uh, especially Lotus White on White, man. That's a that's a, one of my favorite color combos for a deluxe. Yeah, yeah, I think they just look classy, you know. My you next stock, yeah, mostly stock. My only things that really changed is, uh, you know, I, I did all new running gear, but I'll rebuild original stuff. Mm-hmm. I do run in a dual port in it just for reliability and parts availability. Uh, really, the only thing modded I did to it is Safaris, and I'm doing a Kindig red interior out of SoFine made it for me. Oh, so, really? They, they got a whole the whole, whole Kindig kit for you, huh? Yeah. You know, lately you've been seeing all these Kindig interiors in these buses running hot VWs. Yeah. Like, Holy shit, that'd look good on Lotus White. Right. So, I I sprung for it, you know, forty five hundred bucks later. It's it's at my door, but I did it's, my- a, it's a full it's a full kit. What time you know is the, is it like a because the cars that I just saw at the SEMA show that Ken Dig does they're like it's like a real soft looking vinyl like it, it's vinyl but it almost looks like it's a real pliable super soft vinyl and it has a dullness to it. It's not shiny, yeah. right? And like it's a just, matte finish. Yeah, it's supple like leather would be, a nice worn leather, yeah. and. Um, now did a white headliner, did the door panels and seat covers and that, and then going full rubber mats, you know, for because I have a dog and we like to cruise around and yeah. want to be able to use this bus. You know, I didn't see putting carpet in it. Uh, you know, the amber headlights I thought would go good with the Lotus White. But other than that, nothing really crazy. Um, I want a nice stock, reliable bus. Putting base seats in it, you know, I have a split or a, a three-quarter middle seat mm-hmm. out of a 68 bay and you know, was unable to find a real split rear seat. I have the bottom, but could never find the back. Really? Without, yeah, without crazy shipping from somewhere, you know. Right. Find it semi-local to you, at least within five-hour driving distance. Now, is, it one, wa- is it a walkthrough or bench? It's a walkthrough. So I did yeah. the three-quarter middle, so I could yeah. walk all the way to the back. No, that's and awesome. Then I have a Westy Z-bed I can throw in there if I ever want to go camp and throw some curtains on it. But no, just just a reliable, nice bus that you know. Now I'm going to be afraid to drive it because you know I got so much into paint and body. But yeah, it out. Don't you worry. That's yeah. it. Drive, build it, drive it, and put your own scratches on it. <laughs> yeah. Then ten years down the road, I can take it down the fire trails and not worry about it. Right. That's it. Well, yeah, they do that. Uh, they, they do that. Uh, that Shasta snow trip, man. They have that thing on the on the west coast. <laughs> and I've been invited to it a few times. Yeah, I'm friends with like Tom Summers out. In, he lives in SoCal in San Diego. Yeah. He's been with, uh, was it uh, Jim out of Idaho? 
and Chris and Sonata, Oregon, you know, we're all friends. We, we all met on these treppins, these airhead parts, you know, treppins where we go from Washington state down, down to the Mexican border. Yeah. Done that in a row. And always, you know, I always followed as a tech guy and they put me in an Atlas with my tools and be the breakdown mechanic, you know, in case any of the, the VOA cars broke down, but yeah. you know, I never ended up working on the VOA cars. It was always the, the enthusiast that needed help. So yeah. I'd stop and help them out and let them use my tools. You know, make just made a ton of friends and I've done that trip three times and it's just nice to get out on the coast, drive through yeah. the redwood, you know, it's a beautiful area. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I've never done one of those, and I really, I really want to. I really like to do one of those. So, I just gotta book it, plan it, and and do it. You know. Yeah, and you know, if, if you're able to camp out of your vehicle, you have a much better times. I was always stuck in a hotel because I was driving an Atlas and had nowhere to sleep. And yeah. you know, all the good things happen at the campfire at the end of the night. You know, it's <laughs> like, yeah. A lot of camaraderie and made a lot of friends that way, and uh, glad to know all of them, you know. And you get well, being a North Michigan guy, you know, we all have a different way of thinking than people in SoCal do, you know. And, and it's nice to see the way the world works and yeah. you know, way other people live, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I, I mean, listen, man, I, I think. I think it's a great story. I think you've had a great, uh, great history in the hobby, and I'm excited to see you getting your bus built. And I look forward to uh, either I'm going to hit the I'm, I'm going to hit up there in the Midwest somewhere. I, I guess that'd be considered Midwest, right? Midwest, Central. Still Midwest, yes. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to do. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of VW culture up in that area. I mean, as far and spread out as it is, I'd still love to. One of these days, I'm committing to to do uh, maybe a Route 66 drive and just go hit all the stuff and all the places in between and uh, go from here to the East Coast in my Volkswagen just to, you know, meet all the people that are in the hobby and, and do, you know, get get all these stories out there, man. There's just so many stories and so much to, uh, so much of the same stuff that kind of connects us all together that that just the the love and passion for the cars, man, and the cars that, the, the cars that attract a certain type of people that, are really um, just some of the friendliest people you're going to meet. And that's just one, one of the things that one of my favorite things about the hobby, you know, is just the people that you get to meet from it. We're all the same, no matter where we go, you know, yeah. we've got this common bond and, and, you know, help each other out and let's make it all work. Cause we're the little guy, you know, at least here, we're the little guy out where you <laughs> live. Maybe SoCal, we're not the little guy, but. Well, we're still, the listen, we're still the minority, man. Even I go to cars and coffee each week and, and the VW contingent is the, still the minority, you know. Boy, okay, so. yeah. Now we, uh, well, you know, Chicago, ends in Chicago, so that's only five hours south of me. So, yeah, love to see you, brother. Yeah, listen, Chicago's where uh, Audio Dave, one of our guys, is based out of, uh, out of Chicago over there, and uh, he's uh, he's helped us out with a bunch of audio equipment for the podcast. But he's a he's a Chicago guy. What's the so in the in the Midwest, what's the best show? If you're gonna pick a show to go to, like what is the show in the Midwest closest to where you're at? The show to not miss. You know, there was a, a Cincinnati or I'm sorry, Columbus show in Ohio that was mm -hmm. really got a large following. You know, it's either that or you go out to you know Manassas Bug Out, which is 700 miles away, or hell, I find it worth it driving to Florida. You know, do an 18-hour drive to Florida and go do the bug jam. 
you know, those yeah. things that happen on the East Coast, you know, back in the 90s, yes, we drew five to 800 cars at our Michigan show, but those days are over. You know, times yeah. go on, people change, people, you know, die off and pass away and, and you know, clubs change. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be dedicated to being the VW, <laughs> VW people for life. You no, know, I've, I've always found myself to be, com, you know, obsessive and compulsive in some ways. You know, when I was young, I was, I was obsessed in skateboarding, you know, back yeah. to the Tony Alva days and, you know, the, the Sims and people like that. And, uh, and then I got big and I couldn't compete with the kids that were smaller than me on these skateboards. And I'm like, okay, let's play with cars. Yeah. And, but you know, in the end of this, I really want to give a shout out to my buddy, Joel. He took a burned out mechanic who was a, just about to retire and quit working on cars. And yeah. he invigorated me. And, uh, he's a year older than me. And the dude has a heart of a young guy. And uh, he kind of saved me from from a life of boredom retirement. And yeah. I, I was ready to quit. And he he uh, he jump started me. I I brought him in when we worked on the uh, the thing from Speed Two. And he was a guy that had the small enough hands to get in the front tunnel to do uh, a new fuel line through the tunnel because this one was plugged yeah. for so many years. And from that day on, we've been partners and just working together. And he keeps me invigorated. Because when I get ready to say, you know, I don't want to work today. I don't, I don't feel it, you know. He's right. like, come on, come on, Bob, let's do this. Let's just get it over with. And then we'll go on to the next one. I'm like, God, yes. you know, he, he had a spark to my life. And, you know, not being all romantic, I am a married guy. But, you know, <laughs> I mean. Everybody, it, need, everybody needs a partner in crime, man. It's like you get that guy just to motivate you and get you going. Yeah, it's once or twice in a lifetime where you, you find a friend like that. And, uh, hell, we've only known each other for three, four years. And he's just been really good to me. So I want a big shout-out to Joel. He's just, yeah. Yeah, no, good. That's, that, that's great, man. I'm, 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 listen, I'm glad for Joel, too, man, because he, he got you getting fired up and getting your bus going because we, we always need one more bus on the road. You know, and all this time, uh, I'll egg into him on this one. Every time I'd asked him for help, it's like, dude, come over and help me with a headliner. You know, I need two hands. And he's like, Bob, you can do this. Just do it. <laughs> come on, you can do this. And he never did come help me with a damn headliner. But you know what? I did it. And yeah. uh, proud of myself for doing it. And, you know, I had done many Beatle headliners, but dang, a boss, they're, they're a different story. You know, it's a big piece of material. I don't, know if, I, I don't even know if I would tackle a headliner. That seems like a monster I to do. I tried it. Yeah. You know, I've done enough Beatles, so it can't be that hard. Right. And, uh, and no, this, this dude's, he drives a 68 bug all winter long in Michigan. He bought oh. a, he bought a restored California 68 and made the heat work good, put heated seats in it, defroster blower. You know, he just rocks this thing all winter and he calls that the snow bug. And then he's got a 66 that I sold him in 1904 for, and he put it on full air ride and he calls it the go bug. And he's uh, he's drag racing it now. Last year, you know, nice. running mile times, and you know, together we're building a square back. We have a chop top square back that we're going to put together twenty three thirty two IDAs, make a full blown drag car out of it. And I yeah. think that's future lies. You know, I'm going to slow down a little bit on the full restorations, do a little bit of maintenance for the locals, 
and build a drag car. We've got a drag strip 15 minutes from me. Might uh-huh. as, you know, and uh, let's see if we can beat some Mustangs and Camaros. You know, I'm all into that. There's nothing more fun than that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, man, I listen, Bob, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I look forward to uh, crossing paths with you one of these days on the, uh, out in the VW world. Uh, hopefully I'll see you. If, if you come out West Coast, by all means, hit me up. If you're ever out in Vegas, give me a bus, come by the studio, and we'll check out the collection we got over here. But uh, for sure, if I head up in that neck of the woods, man, I'm going to be tracking you down. So, Well, we yeah. tend to go to the warm weather in the winter. Next <laughs> year, I'm doing three months in warm. So all right. this year, we're doing a month in Florida, and then following years, we're doing three months. And we're gonna, we've already been to Vegas. We like it. It's a little, little crowded, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> At least you know well, there's no shortage of things to do that's for sure totally totally well hey bill appreciate you taking time to listen to my my crazy stories and um you know just just want to say to everybody out there thanks for keeping the hobby alive oh that's awesome man well i i, I for sure appreciate you for coming on yeah thank you buddy be All well right. if you like that podcast make sure you guys subscribe to let's talk dubs hit the little subscribe button at the bottom so you're reminded each week when a new podcast comes out if you'd like to support the podcast go to let's talk and pick up some merch we do have long sleeves that are going to be hitting the website this week like us on facebook follow us on instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel once again guys uh this podcast is dedicated to the telly carson family and uh godspeed with them and until next week guys later station